You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. We've been covering the Chargers for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I also write for the LA Football Network, but this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Well, we're happy to have you back here with us today because we have more draft picks to get into because now on today's show, we are going to be going over rounds six and seven and that's three picks so we wanted to to dedicate at least one segment to each of these players and talk about you know what they bring to the table how they fit with the team if it ended up being good value with how the draft was going but before we get into that I do want to tell you guys if you haven't checked out the show Peacock and Williamson which used to be the Lockdown NFL show it's definitely worth your time you can find it wherever you get your podcast from and they will bring you every story from around the NFL if you want to keep up with everything else that's going on, that's where I would start with the Peacock and Williamson show. But today we are going to start with the Chargers' first sixth round pick. They had the first pick in the sixth round, and they ended up taking linebacker Nick Neiman, who, when we've talked about him before, you know, we've talked about him as a special teams player mostly. On today's show, we'll kind of get into if he could potentially be more than that, you know what I mean? Or if he will just kind of stay in that lane of just being a really athletic special teams player. So, in the second segment, we'll be talking about the Chargers kind of unexpectedly picking up a running back with Larry Roundtree the third, or Trey Roundtree, as I've seen that he likes to be called. So we'll get into him and add what he brings to the backfield for the Chargers, which already has three solidified players that should make the roster as we see it now. So that'll be very interesting how he fits in there. And then to wrap up the show in the third segment, we'll be talking about the other defensive back the Chargers drafted, Mark Webb, another surprise for a lot of Chargers fans, someone that we hadn't talked about on our show. So I'm glad that we get the chance today to break that down, talk about what his role is going to be, talk about the value there, and what he brings to the table as a 7th round pick. Because obviously, if you're getting picked in the 7th round, you're going to have some flaws. But there's some exciting parts of it as well. So that's what we'll get into at the end of the show. But let's go ahead and get into it. The Chargers had the first pick in the 6th round. And at this point, they had addressed a lot of their needs. But... I think a lot of us thought this was going to be the pick where they went safety because they had already picked up Asante Samuel Jr. They filled edge needs with Chris Rumpf and they also, you know, filled some other positions like left tackle, wide receiver, tight end, just to name a few. But in the sixth round, they end up going with Nick Neiman, the linebacker out of Iowa. And that was someone that we had talked about once before because Daniel Popper had him in one of his earlier mock drafts. So shout out to Daniel Popper. Definitely a good call there. But he was a guy that really surprised me, David, because athletically, he tested off the charts. I mean, that's how he kind of came onto my radar because his relative athletic score, which you guys can get from Kent Lee Platt on Twitter. I definitely want to shout him out because we use this stuff all the time because it is a Heck good... Heck of a follow, guys. Oh, Heck of a follow. The easiest follow that you could find. I mean, so informative. And it's all relative, right? But from him, he ranked 21st out of 2,098 linebackers that have come into the league from 1987... <laughs> to 2021 so obviously if you're that athletic you'd think there'd be more hype surrounding you so David when you ended up watching Nick Neiman after they drafted him I know you went back and watched him again what did you think 
Yeah, so I mean, looking at Nick Neiman, I, I thought he was a pretty solid linebacker. I mean, in the sixth round, you're looking for guys that have some good traits. So, I mean, on the positive side for him, he's a very good, strong tackler. I think that's first and foremost. If he is uh, wrapping you up, he's going to get you to the ground. He doesn't really miss a lot of tackles, so that's great. Um, also, he does a great job of fighting off of blocks, and I think that's really important as a linebacker because if he can't get off of blocks, he can't make plays. And this is a guy who's going to show up on special teams as well. I expect him to be a major special teams contributor. On the negative side of things, I mean, you were kind of alluding to it a little bit. He's very limited on his, like, lateral agility. It doesn't just seem like he can just explode sideline to sideline. Um, he's a little stiff. I mean, that's just kind of what I saw on tape. And uh, he's definitely not someone you want to be out there in coverage all the time. I think he's capable of doing it. Um, but he's, I would say, someone you want to limit. Uh, he's definitely going to be more of your guy against the run. Yeah, which is interesting because, you know, for a guy who runs a four four five forty, you would think you would want that guy in coverage. But when I was looking up his stats, I saw literally the only, you know, thing he ever did in pass protection as far as counting stats was one career pass breakup. That's not, <laughs> that doesn't scream coverage good. defender. I mean, he has the physical tools to do it. I mean, the other thing is, is Iowa basically just like put him in the nickel. I mean, he was just yeah. out on the boundary doing a little, you know, curl flat zone type of thing where he's just kind of dropping back and sitting in a zone. That's pretty the, much the only time we saw him in coverage. That was pretty much the only, you know, coverage we, you know, he ran at Iowa. So <laughs> that was something that made it a little bit difficult to gauge, you know, what he really could do as far as, you know, coverage ability goes. But the really surprising thing is not even really the 40. I mean, the three cone drill and the short shuttle were things that he, you know, was in the 92nd percentile in one and the 98th percentile in the other. That kind of change of direction definitely didn't, you know, show up, especially in coverage in that way. But one of the things I had with him was he does get lost in traffic at times. He does get off blockers ball, but sometimes when he gets into the mix and things get a little mucky, he's not finding where the ball carrier was. But his actual, you know, knowledge of the game and him just filling the right gap and doing those sort of things, you can tell he's a coach's son. Another coach's <laughs> son for the Chargers coaching staff. There's definitely a theme there. We go, talked about go figure, huh? We talked about Chris Rump yesterday. I mean, being a coach's son too, but even for a guy who is a really good tackler, he doesn't have the best play strength. And that's something we talk about a lot. He's not jolting linemen when he hits them, you know, and kind of knocking them back. And you don't have to be that way, right? But I think adding some strength to go yeah, along. he's a little slight. Yeah, right? I mean, he's only two thirty-four. I mean, he probably should add a, probably about another five to ten pounds, right, for you to feel a little bit more comfortable about him out there. Yeah, I mean, and just when you get to the NFL, right, the dudes are going to be bigger. I mean, I oh yeah, I only saw a very small handful of missed tackles. I mean, this guy was as sure of a tackler as sure of a tackler as I've seen in this draft class so far. So I mean, he didn't miss a lot of tackles, but he's also not a big hitter either. But very, you know, disciplined, always stays in the right spot, doesn't usually overrun running backs or gaps. Those are a lot of things to like. So maybe there is, you know, potential besides just being a special teamer. Because I think that's the thing, David, is where does he fit in? Does he fit in as a guy that you think can be a linebacker and play on your defense and get meaningful defensive snaps? Or is he a guy that can run very fast in a straight line and is a great tackler and will be one of the better special teams players as soon as he steps onto the Chargers roster? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at the state of the Chargers linebacker group right now and, you know, see what happened in free agency as well. I mean, you feel good about Kenneth Murray. Uh, I think you are hoping that Drew Tranquil is able to come back healthy. But Nick Vigil and Denzel Perriman, guys who were backups or rotational linebackers last year, played a lot of snaps because, you know, there was injuries in that group. So I think Nick Neiman's actually going to play a little bit more than some people actually realize. So I think he is going to be in there. His primary fit for me is going to be obviously that running, uh, that linebacker that's going to come in against the run. Uh, That's going to be his primary uh, role in this team. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to have to shine on special teams and then work his way onto the field on the defense, similar to Drew Tranquil. But I think he's going to play a little bit more than some people want to think. And even Drew Tranquil, when he was drafted in the fourth round, we were kind of like, what? You know, that was another perceived reach by the Chargers. And, you know, one of the things that knocked him down was his medicals. And he did miss the entire season last year. So, I mean, you know, maybe some of that was just, right? I mean, maybe some of that was fair to be concerned and have him slide down the draft board. But... I see a little bit of Drew Tranquil and Nick Neiman. I mean, obviously, Drew Tranquil was a safety, too. So his coverage instincts, he had a much better feel for that kind of thing, as opposed to this, where the guy seems to only know one coverage or he only ran one coverage. So I think that was the other thing. But, David, I know that there was one guy here it hurt the most that the Chargers didn't end up taking. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and you understand the value and the need for the pick because of the things I mentioned about the, the linebacker room. But... It just wasn't the the position or the player I was looking at. I mean, it's just hard for me to feel good when Hamza Nazaraldine, one of the guys that we really, really loved and just saw a lot of explosion and ability for, went literally one pick after the Chargers decided to get Nick Neiman. So I just don't understand what the Chargers were looking at or what they were seeing with Hamza Nazardine, there's got to be something with the medicals or something like some bit of information or he didn't interview well, something that just took him off or turned him off um, with the Chargers. And I just I'd like to know what that is, because on tape, the guy's a dog and he's going to help the Jets. I know he is. He's a guy who's going to come in and improve that team right away. So for me, obviously, I give every player the benefit of the doubt. And like I said, I see a role for Nick Neiman, but it just wasn't the player or the position I was looking at trying to address. I definitely get that. I mean, it always sucks to see a guy that you're pounding the table for go one pick after where, you know, the Chargers end up selecting because it's like, you had it, you were there. And I mean, that happened a few times with Hamza Nazaruddin, but there was a lot of safeties that got passed up in this class. It was a little weird how that happened after an early run in the second round, but I like Nick Neiman. It's a six-round pick. You can see the role for him. Don't have any problem with the pick itself, even though there's other guys I would rather have. But we do have two more, the final two draft picks to get into. So in the next segment, we're going to be getting into the Chargers, adding a running back into a crowded running back room. So we're going to get into Larry Roundtree coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked on Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and my favorite. I've been betting on a lot of UFC as well. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online or on your laptop or on your mobile device and check out all of the great sporting events that they have sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run for the playoffs. Head to the website now or use that mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, 
at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. I also need to tell you guys that this episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful a uniquely beautiful ring ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. The ring from Platt Boutique is amazing. It's so simple, clean, but the vintage details are just incredible. It's the perfect little ring that's so timeless and would make a perfect gift. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. All right, Dave, well, now it's time to get into the second of the Chargers, the sixth-round pick. Another surprise for us. I mean, I think after the third round, I mean, everything was pretty much a surprise. I mean, I guess after the second (laughs) round, everything was a pretty big surprise. I mean, not picks that we saw coming, some that made sense more than others, obviously. But they end up taking a running back with Larry Rantree the third, the running back from Missouri, who obviously put up some really, really big numbers in the sec which obviously has a loaded defenses so that's impressive he ran for over 3700 yards during his college career but this is still a surprise david because this wasn't something that we thought the chargers had to go out there and address and obviously this is a guy that'll play some special teams as well and brandon staley specifically talked about his past blocking skills so i definitely saw some of that you know if he's going to be the punter's personal protector or whatever role they envision for him there but you have to think that they're probably going to try to give him a crack at least at some running back snaps as well, depending on how things go in training camp, just because you're spending a six-round pick on a running back. So for a position like that where you think you could probably find a guy to do that on special teams through undrafted free agency, this is obviously someone that stood out to them. What did you think about it when you watched him? Yeah, I mean, for Larry Roundtree the third, uh, good size, 5'10", 209, so uh, he's definitely a uh, physical. You expect him to be a physical presence, and then when you put the tape on, I think that you see that. I mean, I think he's a physical runner between the tackles. I think he's a, a, a phenomenal back on, in the goal line and third down situations. He really fights for it. You know, you, you can see that he takes pride in that. Um, he is really good at pass protection. I mean, I've seen him do it multiple times, uh, really just knock linebackers back who are trying to get after the quarterback. He does a great job. I don't really think I see saw very many times him getting beat in, in that role, um, which is going to help him when he is uh, doing that stuff on special teams. You can see that for sure. Um, the negative side of things, I don't think he always picked the right hole. Uh, I mean, I think – that he has good intentions, and he, I think sometimes he wants to be too physical, but uh, he needs to be. The vision's got to improve a little bit. Um, he's limited on the top end speed. He's not the fastest back, but that's not exactly what he's going to be asked to do. He's not going to be your home run threat type of guy, and he's not super elusive either. So a pretty good pick. And then if you're going to take a running back in the draft, I think this is the part in the draft that you're more okay with them doing this. Just for me. I didn't expect it because they took a running back last year with Joshua Kelly. So is this an indictment on Joshua Kelly or is this just them seeing a player they were really excited about? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because he's a player that isn't super explosive as far as a bunch of big plays. I mean, I don't know how many rushes I saw that even went like 10 to 15 yards. I mean, it seemed like he was able to get through traffic well. I mean, I liked his burst through the hole. I thought he had some moments, you know, kind of weaving in and out of a pretty crowded area at times, which I thought was impressive. But he had a little bit of Melvin Gordon to him where he does have the physical runs and like sometimes where he, you know, pushes it a little extra on goal line and short yarded situations. But he also has the times where he's getting tripped up by arm tackles too. I mean, so many times I saw him get tripped up where it's just like how I feel like you could have kept going. Easy yeah, for you me. You could have got see. through that. <laughs> easy for me to say, obviously, right? It's easy for me to say he's not very fast when, you know, he's running a four seven one and that's, you know, pretty incredibly fast for most humans. So I Although Mike Vick did that at forty years old, so it's like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean Mike Vick is not from this planet as far as athleticism goes. I mean that guy's on a world of his own. But I there like there was a lot of things I liked and some things I didn't like. I mean Another concern for me is 746 carries in the SEC. That's going to wear you down. But on the flip side, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of, you know, tread taken off the tires. But this is also a league now where you don't expect him to come in and get 20 carries a game, right? Especially in this running back room, too. But I think that's the biggest thing, David, is he brings a little bit more short yardage stuff than the guys they currently have. I know we thought that about Josh Kelly last year, too, and that didn't end up working out after the fumbles and those things. But it's interesting to see. It will be interesting to see how they kind of deploy these guys. You have Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, Austin Eckler, who's obviously RB1. None of them are going to be a bell cow running back, but it's going to be hard to feed this, you know, four-headed monster. No, yeah, it is. It's going to be very hard, and I think it's going to be impossible, uh, which is why I think one of these guys, one of those four guys that you named is not going to be on this team. Obviously, we know that's not going to be Austin Eckler. I mean, his contract and his production – uh, obviously warrant him be staying on the team. That's not even up for debate. But, I mean, for Josh Kelly, I mean, this is a new org- new uh, a new coaching staff, a new head coach. I mean, they're not married to this guy. I mean, I know Tom Telesco drafted him, but, I mean, I think it might come down to a situation to where in camp, if Larry Roundtree is performing better, then you might see Joshua, Joshua Kelly uh, on the outside looking in. And, of course, this is another situation to where you could probably put him on the practice squad, maybe. I mean, you, you don't know, but I think this is this is going to be a battle in training camp. I think one of these guys, one of those four guys, is, is not going to be on the team. I mean, I think I would almost lean more towards Justin Jackson in that scenario. Yeah, being the, the injury guy on situation, the man. Yeah. I mean, as far as durability goes, that's definitely a big plus for Roundtree. I think that, you know, he obviously played through – a lot of, I'm sure, bumps and bruises along the way in the SEC. And he was available, you know, almost always. So that is something he definitely has on his side. But Tom Telesco in the front office still remembers, you know, all of this, you know, mythical training camp that we hear so much about last year where Joshua <laughs> Kelly was just this dominant force. And we saw some of that confidence in, you know, the start of the season, right? It just didn't maintain Quickly after the, went away. Yeah, I mean, the confidence is shot. As a running back, you need confidence, not just to know you're picking the right hole, but to also stay physical and know that you can be physical without putting the ball on the ground. And that was another yeah, thing. Yeah, you can't be gun-shy. You can't be gun-shy going through the hole. I mean, sure. if, you, if you have that mentality, you're already defeated. You just can't You can't play that way. Yeah, so to kind of summarize Browntree, I mean, I, there's a lot of things I like about him. I think for his own running scheme, if you just want someone that's going to get out there, 
get to the edge and, you know, pick you up six or seven, eight yards at times. I think he can definitely do that. I mean, he is pretty quick. I saw him, you know, make some really good cuts, things like that. But he's not overly physical. He's not overly explosive. He's just, you know, kind of a guy to some extent. He's a solid running back. Sure. Right? He's not going to do anything explosive or flashy. But he's a guy, like I said, who's going to really come in on those third down and those goal line situations and really get you over the hump because this team the last couple of years have not done that well. I mean, Austin Eckler, for all of his phenomenal gifts and, and applications to the game of football, obviously getting those short yardage situations are not his forte. So maybe this is a guy who can come in and take those third down situations, those goal to go situations and have some more success. Yeah, and I mean, I guess my only thing with that is it's like the guy still only weighs 210. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's still not the bruising type of guy. I mean, that's not what you see as far as a battering ram. I mean, he converts, right? I mean, he gets the job done. How it translates, we'll have to see. But he's still not just that brutish guy that we've been kind of, you know, get a an A.J. Dillon, right? Or something like yeah. that. So Jerome Bettis, yeah. you know, just a big monster. Of course, and, you know, that's easy to say, and there's less and less of them throughout the league. But it would have been, not, I mean, if you're going for that role, I think you pick, you know, a big, or a Ramondre Stevenson, you know, or something like that. But either way, we end up, ha- we, we do have one more segment that we want to get into because we have to get into the Chargers' final draft pick, the one safety that they decided to take, safety slash corner, DB, as Brandon Staley would have us call it. So we're going to get into Mark Webb, the safety slash nickel slash corner from Georgia, coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, if you ever need any type of car part, there's only one place to go, and it's rockauto.com. I use them whenever I need a part now because I've actually had a couple more things go wrong with my car. Ever since we started doing these reads, and I'm so glad I have them because rockauto.com is amazing. I don't have to leave my house, but... I keep having to need them, and I don't like that. But if you do have a car part that you need, there's only one place to go. It's rockauto.com because not only do you not have to go into a chain storefront and have to go talk to somebody and try to explain to them what you need, you can go on their website, put what type of car you have in, and a few easy clicks, you can find what you need, and you can get it delivered right to your door. And the best part is you're going to get the best price. Whether you're a mechanic or a daily driver, everybody gets the same low price with rockauto.com. It's the only place that I use. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, David. Well, through all of the film and everything that we did during this draft season, I mean, we watched so much film. I mean, more than we ever had, right? And I mean, it was a fun process. It was by far grueling. It was, you know, super tiring, but we made it. And today, you know, we watched some of the last film that we're going to be watching this year. Now we'll, you know, get some undrafted free agents if we can find that tape and things like that. But we did it. David, Mark Webb is the last prospect we'll have to talk about as far as players the Chargers drafted or who we thought they might draft going into it. It was a crazy process. It was a crazy process, um, but it was so rewarding. I mean, the more the the more years we do this, and we've been doing this like you like you you hear in the beginning for over six years now. I mean, we've had to find different ways to get more tape, to get different video, and our process has improved year over year. I got to give a shout out to Caddy Cutups for really helping us get as many videos as, of as many guys as possible. They're really a re- integral part in our. 
in our draft prospect process. So shout out to those guys. But yes, I mean, crazy process, a lot of hours, but it has been so rewarding. And I hope that it has showed up in, in our podcasts. Well, as you guys know, college film is very hard to find. I might have to go back and bleep David out for snitching out our one plug on our all-22 footage. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> let's get into Mark Webb here because the entire draft, we're waiting. We're waiting. We know safety's a need. Finally, in round seven, the Chargers' last pick, I was actually bartending when the pick came up, and I tried to bet a guy $100 in the bar that probably didn't know as much as I did, obviously, that the Chargers <laughs> were going to draft a safety of some sort. And they end up taking Mark Webb, the Georgia safety, who was, you know, one of like a thousand Georgia DBs drafted. And, you know, when you're getting a safety, even though safeties were dropping like flies, this was not a guy that you were like, okay, it's Hams on Nazareldine and he's just fallen, you know, two rounds past where you thought he might go. It wasn't like this guy had dropped a lot. And you know that there's going to be some flaws to his game, David, so... When you ended up watching the safety from Georgia, who was a converted wide receiver, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's kind of hard for me to say he's a safety because in pretty much every single video I watched of him, he was playing in the nickel or, or in the slot. I mean, he played some outside and, and stuff like that, but I mean, he was primarily a corner at Georgia. And I mean, when you look at him and you put the tape on, I mean, the first thing that stands out is he's physical and run support. He's a guy who uses his big frame at six foot one, two ten to his to his advantage in run support. He definitely does a good job with that. I think he's deceptively powerful as well when he's a a pass rusher. I saw him uh, do that a couple of times, and he affects the play. I mean, he's a guy who's going to be able to add some in that respect, some add some pass rush from the corner position. I, I like that aspect of his game. On the negative side of things or the things he needs to or the things that he needs to to improve on at the next level is he definitely needs to do a better job of getting his head around. And at the NFL level that is something that can can be coached up. I mean a, a guy by the name of Michael Davis who just earned uh, quite a bit of money was a guy that we harped on just relentlessly about getting his head turned around and he finally did and he started to have a lot more success and then the other thing for me is the limited ball skills I mean he had only one interception in four years at Georgia so I mean he needs to improve that part of his game Um, but overall you're looking at him as a seventh round prospect and I think this is a guy who can add some depth and help the team. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, that was the harshest critique I've had of the Chargers draft is just that I think you need to be ready to have a, you know, real-time safety contributor, you know, added to this team. And this is not the finished product. They could, you know, end up keeping a guy in undrafted free agency. They could go sign a veteran safety to come fill in and get some snaps if there's injuries. But with the injury history of those two guys, I wanted someone that was a little bit more polished Obviously, it's all projection with this guy because we're talking about him moving from corner to safety. And, you know, Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley said they kind of see him just as a DB who might do a little bit of both. But I honestly think that his better role was probably safety because if you're talking about, you know, a physical safety that's going to come up and wants to come up and fill in and run support, that's something I could see this guy doing, which is funny that he was a former wide receiver, right? And his biggest strength that we saw is him being, you know, his tackling was great. He was, you know, and a violent tackler, too. I mean, I, exactly. I feel like, I, And I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel comfortable saying that because he tackled with violent intent. His coverage skills, and of course, I mean, the games I watched, 
Alabama, you know, LSU in 2019 with Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, Florida, Kyle Pitts. Florida, Kyle Pitts. And he had some decent reps against Kyle Pitts, too. But there was just too much separation. I mean, it just seemed like he was, you know, taking a little bit too long to break with receivers, especially on in-breaking routes. I saw him get lost a couple of times, and guys would put double moves on him and things like that. Obviously, some of them are broken down plays, and you can only stick with receivers for so long, right? Before somebody needs to get home. But I just think he needs a lot of work in those. What I'm in that part of his game, so it's hard for me to like. Because the thing is, is like I don't want to tell you guys, hey, this guy is good. The seventh round steal of the draft. He's going to be no. a contributor defensively because that's not what happens with a lot of these guys. And I don't want you coming to me and being like. Hey, why did you tell me this guy was so good when he doesn't he even me play anymore? excited for nothing. Right. I mean, he is the prototype special teams player that you want. I mean, he ran a 4-6-1, which is obviously not great for his safety. I mean, his athletically, he scored like a 6.31, still above average. I mean, Larry Rancher, we didn't even talk about that, but he was like a 2.08. So some people <laughs> tested a lot higher than others, and that only means so much, but... When you're talking about a special teams player, you want a guy who's strong, likes to tackle, physical, can get down the field. I think he can do all of those things. I mean, his speed's not going to stop him there. But I think that what I saw from him, he wanted to be involved in the running game. He is a pretty smooth you know, athlete, even though he's not super athletic. But you know, struggles to stay with receivers out of his breaks. Doesn't have the greatest top-end speed and doesn't have the greatest change of direction either. So... A lot of work, a work in progress, David. So that is going to be interesting how he fits long-term, if he is just going to be a special teams guy or if he can work a role in the defense. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who profiles best as a strong safety, a guy who's in the box, who's going to be just attacking ball carriers and run support. I mean, but for me, the fit here is just simply as Brandon Staley's science project. I mean, I, I like the fact that he has some physical tools. He's got some size and, you know, he, he has some physicality. I just we, we know Brandon Staley has a track record of getting a lot more or the most, you could say, out of defensive backs late in the draft or guys or, or who went undrafted. So I think that Brandon Staley looks at Mark Webb and, and says, hey, He's got some things I can work with, and this is a guy I can really turn into something if I'm given some time. So I like it. Um, again, a seventh-round pick, you can't have too, many, too much expectations one way or another. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to be a guy who's going to bring some athleticism to special teams. And like we've talked at nauseum, it needs all the help it can get. And there have been some memorable, you know, seventh-round picks. You have the Isaac Rochelles, right? I mean, a guy who was a contributor. You have Justin Jackson who at a time seemed like a steal as a seventh-round pick. And then you also have, you know, guys like Donovan Clark. And then you have guys like Tevin Reese, right? So you just don't know if these guys are going to make the roster. But with these guys, especially given the lack of special teams that the Chargers would have, at least with Nick Neiman and with Mark Webb, you can see the Chargers' philosophy this year changing a little bit. Instead of just high-character guys, you know, and things like that, if they're going a little bit more traitsy, right? They're seeing guys that they think have traits that they can work with and they want to mold those players into their defense and they think that they fit well in their defense. We'll see how it all plays out. But with both of the sixth round picks and the seventh round pick, the Chargers didn't, you know, get a guy who was supposed to go in the third round and you feel like it's going to be a guy who comes in and starts right away. But you can see why they took all of those guys. So if these guys can develop, earn roles on the team, whether it's in special teams or on the defense or offense, they end up being really good picks. So had no issues with what the Chargers did 
in the sixth and seventh rounds. It's not a ton of exciting picks. Still wish they would have got a safety earlier, but I thought it was overall solid. And you could see, you know, the way that all of these guys end up making the roster, which in its own way is a pretty big deal for these dudes. So pretty exciting time. Exciting to see how this all develops and to see, you know, Brandon Staley and this coaching staff start to develop these guys. And we'll see how much different they look by the time they step on a professional field. But that is going to do it for today's show. If you guys come back tomorrow, we'll be getting into draft reaction voicemails. A lot of good reactions from this draft and things that, you know, happened early and you don't really know what's going to happen after that. And definitely some upset voicemails as well. So make sure to check back in with us for those voicemails tomorrow. If you guys want to call into that, the number is 323-524-7924. We try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But also, if you don't already, make sure to go check us out on pretty much any social media. You can find us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. You can follow us on Instagram at LockedOnChargers, and we also have a Facebook page, LockedOnChargers, as well. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's the Odyssey app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. If you don't already, make sure to follow us on all those places and rate and review if you like the show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow with our draft reactions from your guys' voicemails. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.